Live from VentureX Studios, it's JP, Kathy, and the crew. Is my microphone? There we go. I was like, I don't hear myself. There you go. All right. Well, hello and welcome to JP, Kathy, and the crew. So happy you could join us today. Um, we wanted to give a shout out to uh, JP and his dad, and we appreciate all the con continued prayers for his dad. Um, as a matter of fact, we've got Ask Dr. B. Dr. Good of the Ask Dr. B. Good show in studio with us today is my guest co-host. How are you this morning? I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me All on. All right. Well, we're glad to have you. We've got a couple of education topics. Uh, one very serious, parental rights and education, which, you know, that's kind of crazy. I never thought we would there would ever be a time where we would have a conversation about the importance of parental rights in their own child's education. I This is... It, we're living in some very crazy, uncharted times, so we're going to be talking about that. And then, then um, wait till you hear the story that Dr. B and I, or Doc, Dr. B. Good and I, were kicking around this morning um, about Portland. And man, everything's fun and games there. I just, we just might have to move there. It's what their teachers' union is wanting to do. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then we've got um, Texas State Senator Angela Paxton coming on, and she will be talking about the possibility of a fourth. It is, is it a fourth special session, I think? I think it would be a fourth special session. Um, and she's she specifically have, has asked the governor for that, along with a number of state reps and state senators, and what that topic would be. And I think it would be kind of a one-topic special session, not that anything ever ends up to be a true one-topic special session. But um, so we're going to be talking about that. Um, you had a chance to visit Stan the Man, our yeah. dear friend. Yeah. So if you want to give us an update on him. Yes, I was there last night, and... I had the pleasure of two for one. I saw John and Stan, and Stan is looking much better. And, of course, he just had a haircut and a shave and all that. He hasn't shaved his beard. It just uh, <laughs> no, I said, the I beard's still long. Yeah. Yes, go, go, yes, do not get that rumor out there. You will hear from him. <laughs> but um, he has a goal, and his yep. goal is to be home by Christmas. I love it. I so love it. He, yeah. And John, being John, John wrote on the whiteboard. <laughs> Here are the steps to get you home by Christmas. It's yeah. real cute, you know. Of course, of course, JP did that. You know, that's that that's that's very JP. Well, we do, um, Stan. We're still praying for you, and whatever JP has put on the whiteboard, do that. <laughs> so. Yeah. The first thing is good nutrition. Yes. Yep. And then uh, walk. And good physical walk, therapy. Walk, walk. Yeah. And he d luckily he's gotten that can make all the difference. I know my mom's a retired physical therapist, and that can make all the difference in the world is if you've got good physical therapy. Um, I'd like to ask for prayers. First of all, thank you. I've got um, folks already wishing me happy birthday this morning, and thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's a, um, you know, just, again, very blessed to be a year older and no complaints at all. Do need prayers for my husband. He has got some very serious sleep apnea complications, and we ended up having to take him to the emergency room yesterday. He spent the night in the hospital. We're hoping he's back home today, but just not sure. Um, real, his his oxygen levels when he was sleeping, um, even um, it was with the wrong mask. We've we've now it looks like we're coming to find out. But um, he, his oxygen level was getting into the low 70s at best at night, which is not good. He's not expelling, if I'm saying the thing correctly, CO2. So he's got a carbon dioxide buildup in his blood. Um, 
you know, he's been walking around like a zombie lately, um, taking a couple of pretty bad falls, took three falls the night before we put him into the hospital. Um, that's serious <clears throat> stuff. You just, you don't mess around. If you're like, oh, you know, my spouse just, oh, they snore, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm just going to send them into the other room or whatever. It might be sleep apnea and sleep apnea can lead to some pretty serious things. And I did want to get one little rant in about this because, of course, as I'm making phone calls, he had been recommend, um, referred to a pulmonologist for a new sleep study. A pulmonologist is almost impossible to get into right now. Um, COVID. You know, I mean, the lady said, I said, you know, look, basically I'm watching my husband. He's a walking heart attack. He has a massive heart attack about to happen from this sleep apnea. And she said, ma'am, she said, I am turning down people with lung cancer because we just, the priority is the COVID patients coming in. So then, um, so there's that. And then now here's my rant. There is a, um, we, we've talked about this on many occasions and, um, that is the supply chain demand, which, you know, Dr. Good, I'm sure you've gone to some of your regular stopping, stomping grounds and seen stuff missing. Uh, yes. I Just yesterday, I yeah. went to a um, racetrack where right. we get our coffee, you know, a special hazelnut right. with almond milk. Blah, blah. <laughs> <clears throat> there was almost no sugars. Yeah. I mean, the, and half of the uh, place where they have the cream and the different right. empty. And usually they're oh, fully stocked brimming. and, you know, exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I said supply chain. She said, all right. Yeah. And, and well, so um, one of these other supply chain things, because I started getting desperate and I was like, okay, we'll, we'll just pay out of pocket and we'll get insurance to catch up with us later. And I'll just, I'll skip the middleman and I'll just get him right into a sleep study. And um, thank goodness, one of the sleep study clinics that came very highly recommended that I called, she said, I'm, and so I'm not going to say who it is because I don't want to get him in trouble. She said, I'm not saying this, but I'm saying this. And basically she said that um, she would probably be able to get him in next week for a sleep study. And even if she could maybe get him in, if there was a, an emergency cancellation or something like that, she said, even if that happens, she said, we're going to be sending him home. And instead of him getting a sleep machine the same day or you know, within a couple of days, she said the the people that we've just seen recently. She said we're we're finding that January of 2022 is the absolute earliest. It will be more like February, March, or April that these people will get their sleep machines if they're not dead by then. And I was going to say again, this is this is sleep apnea is very serious. You literally, especially if you're overweight, which a lot of times if you're not sleeping and your oxygen's not right, you put on weight just from trying to sleep. Um, you can drop dead, dead of a massive heart attack. You hear about it all the time. Somebody turns over and their spouse is, is dead in bed. Well, a lot of times it's from a sleep apnea issue. So anyways, some, somebody get it figured out. Somebody get all these supplies off the boats and get everybody back to the land of the living around here. So, okay, off my soapbox, <laughs> off my rant. And I do have to say thank you to, to Dr. Good. Um, she is always, she always <laughs> hooks me up with what we call the fountain of youth cream. Of course, since it's Dr. Good, there's like no, any kind of anything's no parabens in it. No, anything bad is out of it. And it is, I love this face cream. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for my little birthday present mm -hmm. today. Um, let's talk parental rights, Dr. Good. What's, what's going on there? And what is the, um, you know, what can parents do to stand up for themselves at this well, point in time? So it's sort of interesting. Parental rights has 
come to be redefined. Um, normally, back really before COVID, parents knew that they could go to school and could have lunch with their kid. They yeah. could ask for a conference with their teacher. You know? But something has changed. And, and again, and feel free to debate me on this, but right. we, I think that COVID has caused such a shift in our being able to stay in control of ourselves, to stay tolerant of things that go against what we believe, that we are now acting out in such a way that it's causing a, a divide, a further divide. And, and I'll use school board meetings. When, when you have teacher uh, parents at school board meetings threatening, you know, and, and yelling and really wanting to become physical about what they're passionate, you know, about, then <clears throat> that has led to other people saying, oh, we need to get these school board meetings under control. We need to control these parents, which then makes those parents angry that their parent rights are being, you know, uh, controlled. Right. <clears throat> but to the point where, what, the federal government is now saying we're going to train school board members and, and administrators in how to de-escalate situations during meetings. So well, I, and, it, and that is, you know, if you want to de-escalate parents being upset and emotional, let the parents talk. Um, you know, and I've heard horror stories from around the country where you've got, um, if parents get up to start talk about certain topics, depending on how the school board is controlled, and a lot of these school board, let's let's school boards across the country, let's face it, are controlled by more liberal thinking elected officials. I think if parents, if you don't feel like you at least get to say your piece, so then that's where I think the emotions come in. I think I think what the parents have run up against are school board members and superintendents and administrators who have sort of been powerful in the past and used to not being questioned right now we have a lot of questioning going on crt books all of that yep. and so and parents who have i think social media has helped educate parents as to here's the form you fill here's where you go first of all there's a school board meeting going on i mean think about it i mean you know you've, right. you've been an educator for over three decades Three people show up. Uh, yeah, you're, you're like, please, somebody come to a school board meeting. Well, now you've got social media, so parents know, okay, bingo, 50 parents are going to all of a sudden be at a meeting when they never were before. And then they, they're told, and this is the same thing, you know, we've talked with Senator Paxton about this in Austin. Here's the form you fill out if you just want to register your issue or your comment. But here's the form you fill out if you want to talk. Here are some talking points. Here's how long you have with the... I think social media has a lot to do with the fact that you've got more parents who are actually physically going to the meetings than, you know, well, than they did before. And then they bump up against really not very smart practices, but like cutting a parent off, not allowing them to speak. Yes, 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 yes. You yes. know, uh, those things that really do not de-escalate situations. No, you're right. <clears throat> so you're right. so you have you have well-meaning people on, you know, these school boards who oftentimes have their own agenda. Right. Wait. Okay, you heard this first on J.P. <laughs> Kathy and the crew, an elected official who has their own agenda. And, and <laughs> What is this you speak of, Dr. Good? So you actually have now um, <laughs> people in Congress who are talking about passing a parent law. 
And I'll talk more about that on my show. Oh, yeah, yeah. But why has it evolved to this? Right. How did it evolve to this? Right. And again, you, you have you have the, the lack of tolerance on really both sides. And again, you've heard me say this, folks, we need to settle down. We need to be more tolerant, calmer, and, and just learn to accept that not everybody's going to believe the way we believe. Well, and we've and, and you and I have talked about this on on a, a couple of your shows. Is that we before and and back um, when we were doing drive time radio, you would come on and talk with John and I about this, and that was kids online bullying, letting their anger out, some real cruelty. And we were talking about this being a problem with preteens, teenagers, young adults, and now all of a sudden you've got people my age who are literally, you know, stalking and saying horrible things to each other online. So are we so angry from the pandemic that now we've gotten to a point where we are, we're so angry that we're modeling anger and angry behavior to our kids? That's what kind of concerns me is that if the parents, if we can't get it now, now, now let me tell you, if I go to a school board meeting and I'm talking about something for one of my kids and somebody cuts me off, Oh, it is not going to be pretty. It is not going to be pretty. Um, and it shouldn't be. Again, that's where you've got to learn, hey, all of a sudden you do have a full house. You're going to have a five-hour meeting. You know, as a former elected official, there were times where we had to move our commissioner's court meetings from the commissioner's courtroom, which, you know, just held a couple hundred people, to the jury selection room because we knew it was a budget issue or it was some kind of issue that was very emotional. And there were times... We were there till one o'clock in the morning. It is what it is. It's your job. You know, you're paid by the taxpayers or you're elected um, and volunteer to do this, depending on your position. Um, so you've got to, you've got to know that you may have to hear from a whole bunch of people you don't agree with and handle it as such, like you said, so you don't escalate the problem. You de-escalate and everybody can have a reasonable conversation. So I posted something on my page from MomBrain dot therapist and it's things we model for our kids whether we realize it or not the relationship with technology you know here we, parents have the phone there instead of paying yep. attention to their kids how we deal with frustration uh, how we solve problems how we take care of ourselves how we apologize and repair how yeah. we ask for help how we handle mistakes how we navigate conflict um, and how we approach people who are different from us. They have somebody in a wheelchair here. How we care for animals. How we care for the environment. And how we listen. Wait, listen. What is how this you speak listen of? listen to each other. I, I, people don't really listen a whole lot, lot anymore. Even if it's, again, listening. Now you have to broaden that to mean listening on social media, which is reading, interpreting, and not, you know... Take that 10 seconds before you react or just like, you, you know, and this is something when um, when I was a Dale Carnegie instructor, because email was such a big, a, a big and up and coming thing back then. And we would say, type out an email, sit on it overnight. Now, don't type in who you're going to send it to because you might accidentally hit send, but sit on it overnight and go back and think, is this really the tone I want to have come across and that's one of those things. A lot of those things you're talking about, we're losing. Yeah, I remember in some, it may have been Dale Carnegie, some, some organization said, 
Don't be thinking about your response while the other person's talking. Listen intently and process it before coming up with your response. And I've had to work on that. Yeah. Oh, Uh, me too. mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, this parent issue has sort of come up quickly. It's been the last few months um, where parents suddenly are wanting a different type of control over the school to the point of curriculum and and so forth. So now we're having to re, rethink what parent right looks like at school. Do we have to check every single thing out that we're going to teach to our kids this week with our parents first? That's going to slow down instruction a bit. Right. And so, and, and we've never had to do that to that extent. I mean, we have the Texas uh, State School Board, and they do that. That's their job. And, you know, that's how we um, sometimes see, see people's agendas through that particular committee. But that's where the parents have had the choice over curriculum in the past. Now it's getting to the school level, and it's like, Oh, what does that look like? Is that a weekly meeting with, you know, a, a new parent a curriculum committee? You, you know, and maybe, and I could think it would probably depend on the school district. And and here's what I would suggest to parents. Um, and and I was told this. It, it, first of all, I was modeled this with my parents. Very involved. You know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She used to laugh because she was like, oh, you and your brother, we were the first ones to raise our hand and go, oh, my mom will drive. She's got a station wagon. And so um, every field trip, she was a field trip driving mom, you know, and so I was modeled my parents being very involved, being on campus, being at events, being at all kinds of things. So I was modeled that. And then I was told that before I had kids, you know, hey, and I know I'm preaching to the choir with you, you know, get involved, you know hang out you know be with your kids at school do you know be part of their lives there and so I was a huge and and still I'm still volunteering I'm on the school-based improvement council and I do judging where my son's a senior right now he's like he's like text me before you get on campus <laughs> he liked it when it was zoom when it would, there were zoom meetings but uh, anyways um so you know it's one of those things where you 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 spend that time with your kids and it's very important because then you get to know the principal, you get to know the assistant principals, the counselors, some of the teachers that maybe your kids only with for a short amount of time. Um, and so you have more of a feel of what's going on on that campus. So I highly recommend if in any way, even if it's pulling papers, making photocopies, a library mom. Um, I used to do cafeteria duty and clean up tables. Boy, you hear more conversations from kids. You learn more cleaning up cafeteria tables than anything else. You know, field day mom, dads. Oh, gosh, I'm saying mom on all this, but dads as well. Um, it's very important to be involved. And then take it to that next level. And if you can volunteer for a school-based improvement council or a, um, you know, some type of committee that they have at the school board level you can have an you first of all and you've got a stronger voice then because there's so few people who volunteer for these positions Mm -hmm. you know that you're usually begging parents to volunteer so get out there and that and you know what and beyond that run for school board run for school board if you don't like the way things are going dog on it get some yard signs start knocking on doors and run for school board that's right you know um, put your money where your mouth is exactly exactly so um 
Yeah, so I think this is interesting. You're going to be talking more about this on yeah. your show on Sunday. Yes. Because parental rights, and we'd love to hear from the crew, and you can catch um, Ask Dr. Be Good um, from 8 to 8.30 on Sundays. And... Um, let her know what you think, you know. I send her questions ahead of time. She, if you want to shoot her questions on our feed today, we'll we'll get those over to you. Um, yeah, so that I think the parental rights, what does that look like in the future? And it's all part of redefining, reimagining school due to COVID. Yeah. I mean, that's it's been a blessing and a curse. People mostly say curse, but it it's causing change that will lead to a different school right well and and we've we've even talked about this there are there have been some like like you call them covid blessings well okay let's say your kid has like my son until he had his tonsils and adenoids out was it, it got to the point where he was sick you know one week a month i had that with nick mm-hmm. yeah during during strep throat strep, once a month strep throat and okay even you know while they've got fever, and then you have to wait till 24 hours after fever. And so CJ was always playing catch-up with school because of the strep throat. Well, now, you know what? And a lot of times he didn't even feel bad. I was just like, oh, doggone it. This is strep throat again. And I knew I couldn't send him to school because he was in the contagious period. But he felt fine. Well, he could have been online. Yep. And still learning from home and instead been, of playing a video game. I've been disappointed that we haven't gotten better at that. We've sort of defaulted back where some districts don't want to fall back to that. It's too much trouble, and it shouldn't be too much trouble if it means keeping kids learning. Yeah, and especially, you know, a kid falls and breaks his leg, and, you know, hey, can't come to school for two weeks. Well, then why do they have to miss out on that experience when you've got the technology? Yeah. So so there's lots of different things, but um, but the parental rights, parents, if you don't like what's going on, learn to advocate for yourself and then volunteer and then doggone it, run for school board yourself, you know, run for school board yourself. Um, And before we have Senator Paxton on, we've got to kick this story around. This was, it was so perfect that that Dr. Good was going to be in studio with me today. And again, thank you for coming in. Um, So, so I hear this story out of Portland and I'm like, first of all, Portland, is marijuana legal? I think there's just a whole Probably. lot of pot I think smoking Washington, going. That Oregon, whole area. California, yeah. I think there's just a whole lot of lot of pot smoking going on. I don't know what it is, but they Portland always you're like, of course that's coming out of Portland. You know, there's just so much craziness that comes out of there. But one of the teachers unions is suggest is suggesting this, and I'm gonna let Dr. Um Good read the specifics of it. But when I heard this, I'm like I mean, how much further away from the real world can we get? So if you'll give the specifics for this story. So because of the perceived teacher burnout, and I use the perceived not because I don't think it's happening. We know it is. I've been talking about it for weeks. But the, the teacher unions want to do something about the teacher burnout. So, uh, and to help educators and students adjust to the stresses of resuming full-time in-person classes, the union representing the district's teachers is proposing canceling in-person instruction for the high schoolers one day every week after winter break. So that tells me they've been off for two years, okay? They they must have been one of those that didn't come back until this school year. And right. 
so they're seeing that after two years of being online, it's been tough adjusting for both kids and, and teachers. Now, uh, even at the elementary and middle school level, they're proposing that kids would arrive two hours late or be sent home two hours early one day so that teachers can have more instructional planning time to help plan for the remediation that is um, due to lost learning. So the high schoolers at least would have the, what sounds to me like a hybrid, right? They would have their uh, Friday at home doing their seven classes online. Now, if those of you who understand high school instruction, you can either do regular every day having 45 minutes or you can do block schedule, which is a 90 minutes every other day. And so in, in this particular case, we have A day, B day, A day, B day, and then Friday, C day. So you have half of your classes on A day, the other half on B day, and then they actually go to seven classes on Friday for 44 minutes each. So <clears throat> the proposal is to uh, keep the A and B days of 90 minutes in school, but send home the kids to do those seven classes online. Now, uh, Kathy, you have a high schooler. What's your high schooler going to do that Friday? So I, I think this goes a few ways on, um, on on Fridays. So now my son, he loves, he just, you know, he just purchased himself like another $1,000 guitar. Part of it, birthday money, most of it, money he earned money. himself. So he, he, he likes it. So he would probably say, yeah, I'll, I'll figure out a way to get the homework done, and he would probably see if he could pick up an eight-hour shift. I, I, I just know, just knowing my son, or you would have. I think the other two options for kids, you're going to have kids video gaming all day. I it just, it is what it is, and that's what they've gotten used to during COVID. Or, um, boy, howdy, I think teenage pregnancy is going to be on the rise because what do high school kids do? Mom and dad are at work. Somebody's parents, and, and even if your parents are working from home, which a lot are, you know, at this point still from COVID, um, somebody's parents somewhere go into the office, and that's going to be the house. Oh, we're all getting together at so-and-so's house because they're, their parents used to be teachers, and we're, we're going to go over here. We're studying for that math test yeah, together. <laughs> we're studying. Wink, wink, <laughs> nod, nod, you know. I just, I see that being a lost day of education. Um I don't know. I just, a lot of, back when I was teaching, a lot of my planning was at home outside of school hours. And I didn't think twice about it. I knew that was just kind of part of the gig. Um, just like grading papers. I, most of that I did at home sitting on my couch. Um, I just, you know, so basically you're saying you need a four-day week. And again, having been a teacher, having a, a longtime educator here with me in studio, being a teacher is not easy. It is it is it's physically, intellectually, and emotionally exhausting. Because when your kids leave, you love those students with all your heart, and you get worried sick about them. I used to just like homecoming weekend. I was always worried about all the kids. Gosh, is, is anybody going to be driving drunk? You know, I used to say, "Hey, give me here's my number. Call me. I'll come pick you up." When you're a teacher, it's a hard gig. It is a very hard and exhausting gig. But so are other jobs, and everybody else is working five days a week. So let I don't get it. I, I here's what I would put out on the table. Yes, the teacher job is tough. They have especially secondary. They have up to 125, 150 students every day if they yeah. if they see them every day or every other day. And 
they do have the instructional planning, they've got the grading and so forth. But they also have other stuff that's always being piled on them. So I would oh, yeah. say, um, you know, hey, teacher union, why don't you advocate for less paperwork? Why don't you advocate for maybe um, the school board that, that has the content um, that they want taught lesson? Because everybody knows that our curriculum is, uh, what is it, uh, um, seven miles wide and an inch deep? Oh, yeah. We uh, teach yeah. way too much. Oh, uh, well, and then you can't. You can't do a quality job of teaching, and you know, and a lot of times you're teaching for tests. And again, let's make the point that you just said: this is the Portland Teachers Union who who's proposing this. So, so consider the source. So let's propose instead to say, how can we help teachers uh, have to work less and still be able to do what they do best, and that is teach kids. And so, which is what what it's a calling. It I, is I a mean, calling. You know, you. What did you went to school for journalism or what, what did you go to school for? I, I was actually, I was, I, so when I do college and career talks, right. I tell people don't do what I did. I went, uh, I was a Russian major in college. And then when I figured out that I could become, I could graduate in three years college if I became a Spanish major instead, because I clept in t with 12 hours already in Spanish, right. um, I, I graduated with a degree in Spanish. You cannot do that in today's world. That, right. that You need a skill to go with that. Now, yes. I was hired, this is 1975, so I was actually hired because I spoke Spanish in an oil and gas leasing company. That's right, that's right, oil and gas world, but, yeah. But I tell people, you cannot do that today. That's yeah. that's not a, you need, that's, that's your gravy bonus on your resume. It's not your skill set. Right. And so you have to go to vocational school. Oh, look at that. You're a bilingual electrician. You're a bilingual HVAC. You're a bilingual business major, and international. You, and you yeah. could possibly get, you know, a signing bonus for that. You can possibly yes. get paid more for that, um, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah, but it, it, but so, it, but again, becoming a teacher, that was a calling for you. You're passionate about it. So I was in the classroom 13 years. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't a fast yeah. tracker three years and I'm becoming an administrator. Right. Matter of fact, people would say, do you want to become principal? Oh, no. You're like, oh, no, I love my kids. No, I love I teaching. I, I, that's you know? so much responsibility, <laughs> know, right? Yeah. Until I wanted to affect change, it, the need to affect change At more, outside level. my classroom. Yeah, yeah that's, exactly. that's what happens. But again, I don't know anyone, you know, at least the circle of teachers I ran with and I still run with, and I look at some of my former students who now have become teachers themselves, it is a calling. They absolutely <laughs> love it. So, again, if, if a teachers union wants to make a difference okay well then don't just take a day away that the paperwork's not going to be changed that's not again we're talking about it, you know impacting actual change yeah, a day off again you're going to have i mean you you, you know fentanyl is an issue drugs are a real issue in our country right now i mean we've got an epidemic of fentanyl and we've got these kids left and right you're hearing about overdoses and about um you know things being laced with fentanyl and kids don't know and they try it once and they die and they're a good kid and they've never done drugs before well then let's do things that keep kids busy that keep them hold them accountable again where are these kids going to graduate from high school and or college or a trade school or if they go into the military who's giving them a four-day week you're oh you're you're 20 you you poor exhausted kid you get a four-day week that just that's not the real world uh, yeah, again, the union, I think, is focusing on a Band-Aid and not on a better yeah. better permanent solution. Yep, yep, I agree. And then, Brett, if you'll let us know when um, Senator Paxson's in the in the waiting room. But, um, yeah, it's it, it's just, 
I don't know if it's that the world was headed this way anyways, or if COVID, I mean, do you ever COVID think about COVID especially the teacher recruitment and retention issue. Okay. That, that was a problem before COVID. Okay. We were headed that way. Okay. So that was something that was going to, a bubble that was going to burst. Yes. Anyways, faster because of the teacher burnout. Okay, okay. So we have teachers leaving mid-year now by the droves. We have many not coming back after winter break. Wow. Because they just they can't do it anymore. They, what yeah. what they're being asked to do, as far as um, the extra instruction, the extra remediation, all yeah. of that, it just it's just taking its toll on them. Well, you know, a lot of times, um, and I, I know we've got. Um, I'm not going to say one of, one of our members of the crew. I won't say the name just because I don't want to get anybody's kids in trouble. But um, has an adult kid who basically it's you're, you're double duty, you know, you, or you were double duty at least if you're not anymore. You were double duty during COVID, and so many people said, "Well, just just turn on the computer," and it's just I mean you're teaching you're teaching the kids and that are in your class and out of your class. It's extremely different because there's things online that, and and through again through going to some online parent meetings and learning about these things um, during the the height of the pandemic, you've got kids who, and I've learned this through some of JP's truancy stuff, and that is you've got kids who they know how to put a picture of themselves in a loop that looks like they're moving around in their chair, looks like they're stretching and they're there. And they're not. They're not actually on the Zoom meeting. So if you're if you've got kids online, you were have you were having to say, "Hey, Becky. So what do you think about that?" Because Becky's my, Becky <laughs> might have a little avatar up there that's in a loop, kind of a deal. And then you, um, the, you know, and then you have the kids who, and and I didn't realize this until I sat in on one of um, JP's truancy um, uh, uh, tribulate. Tribunals. Tribunals, thank you. I was like, tribulations, that's not it. Tribunals, thank you. And um, I remember, and it, you had it, there's a child who was mortified, was fine in a classroom setting, but once it became, I'm online, I'm on video, I'm on the screen, literally had a, like, just a, just a horrific panic attack because this, this young lady didn't, want to be seen on screen she didn't like her image up there on the zoom screen so if you're a teacher trying to deal with kids in the classroom and that you are teaching two separate classrooms even if it's the same material i believe a law was passed in the last legislative session outlawing not allowing that okay the double you can only use a teacher for in-house or online good so good and and again it is it's two different classrooms and, you know, could anybody get up? Now, I'll use math as an example, which is if any of my former students are on, they're like, oh, Miss Miss Ward, they never had you teaching math. I think that was like something I agreed to before I got my teaching certificate. I'm like, I promise I will never teach math. Um, so, yeah, but, okay, if you're teaching, let's say, algebra and, you know, geometry, two different classes, yeah. two different classes. So, um, anyway, so what are some other things that you have been talking about? What are some hot topics in education, especially since Senator Paxton, who is on the education committee, will be coming on here in a minute? Well, and I, and I, I, I hate to beat the, the dead horse drum about the teachers leaving, but I can't tell you how much I'm reading on that. This is a real problem. Is this nationwide? Nationwide. 
you know, I was talking, I don't know if you remember, I was talking a lot about support personnel not being yes. there, bus drivers yeah. especially. Oh, oh yeah. Um, so bus drivers, support personnel. But now it's the teachers. Here we are half a year in. This was supposed to be our comeback year. Yay. Yeah. And it's just turned out to be everybody's so tired. They're, they're March tired by November. Right. And, and if you're if you're an educator, have been or have been married to an educator, you know what you're talking about with that. There's a certain part of the year where spring break is desperately needed for teachers to just recharge uh, and students, too. But um, but especially the teachers. And so, yeah, if you're already feeling that in November, yeah, you've got a problem. Um, some districts were wise in having a week off at Thanksgiving. Some some didn't. Some did. the You don't have to be there. Monday and Tuesday, and, and, yeah. and so that, that was a lost opportunity in my eyes to yeah. let your teachers have uh, the whole week off. Yeah. The, I'm on teacher threads. I like to see what's going on in the field, and there are a couple things that are very concerning. One is the negativity of the threads, the, the, the fueling of the negativity th- that teachers yeah. are bringing there, very concerning. And so I, <clears throat> I go in there, and I try to um, like or... Uh, comment positively on positive posts in there to sort of model what we really need in there. Oh yeah. Because, um, the, just the ranting about, um, what's going on in school is, is just not healthy. And then the second thing is how many are leaving and how many are talking. If they stay the year, they're not coming back next year. Well, and let me ask you this. So then you've got, that's going to be a real problem. And then do you have fewer, People educating or uh, graduating from college with education degrees That's and already, teacher yeah. certification hasn't that that was already, already becoming an issue beforehand. Happened. Yes, and so you have a combination of less kids uh, being encouraged by their parents to go into teaching yeah. number one, yep. and then going into teacher colleges or the alternative certification. So you have all three of that happening, and you have teachers leaving in higher numbers than ever. And so, um, as I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, I think. We have districts who are already several hundred uh, positions behind as far as vacancies and, and so forth. So that's, and that's a jarring number. I remember when, like, on campus there would be like, yeah, we've got a few holes right here, but we've got so-and-so who can fill in for this, and then we can make it the first six weeks, but then we'll have to get somebody in. The bigger the district. Hundreds? hundreds that's jarring. Hundreds. Houston, Dallas, ISD, uh, hundreds, Ooh. like five or six or seven hundred openings. So what wow. districts are doing around the country is uh, – one of two things. One is they um, have support personnel in there, right. substitutes. Substitutes have never become so valuable as they are now. And oh. having having to pay more to right. subs, right? Oh, yeah. And they're lowering the standard of subs. So it used to be that in, in most districts you have where we pay the most to subs with uh, a teaching certificate. Yep. And then a little less for a college degree and right. then a little less for just high school. Right. But they're in some districts across the country, they're allowing 18-year-olds oh. that have graduated high school to come in to and come be in substitutes. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing. And the second is that they're hiring companies that have certified teachers in that content area to teach online. Oh, interesting. Okay, I didn't even realize that was going on. Yes. Okay, that's and interesting. And that's going to be a booming... A booming profession. Oh, my gosh, yeah. because... Now what you have is you have a, a support personnel that goes right. into a classroom and monitors, uh, you know, behavior okay. while they're supposed to be watching the content expert online. 
Okay. That, oh, the, yeah. I didn't even think about that. That is um, that w- because you're you're going your people are going to keep having kids, so we're going to keep having the need for school. And as our population grows, which you know it's continuing to grow, obviously, then where do you at some point you do have to think outside of the box because a teacher shortage is that's a frightening thing. I think of um, a teacher shortage as a just a looming disaster just like a shortage in nurses which is another field where you've got a shortage right now you've got fewer people going into nursing school fewer people being accepted because of covid because the campuses don't want you know people who are in the hospital doing their you know putting their hours in um intern hours in and then coming into the classroom um and possibly having covid so you've got fewer fewer nurses and i look at something like teachers and nurses if we've got an extreme shortage in areas like that in society, we're in trouble. Yeah, and and it's going to cost us more too. Here's why: for example, f- the companies that that you uh, go with that have the online content expert right. cost sixty five thousand dollars a year. Plus, then you have to have the person from the school go into the classroom, so you have a double <sighs> cost, right? Now, you already have schools who don't have enough money, but all of that. Oh, yeah. But the only way to get the content expert is through this company at 65. Interesting. I, I, we need to bring you in just to do a show about that because that's a fascinating way to work around it. Well, um, speaking of fascinating, there that's a good segue. We've got Senator Angela Paxton, who is Texas State Senator for, Sen- for Senatorial District 8. That's both your um, Senatorial District, Dr. Good, and my Senatorial District. So uh, good morning to you, Senator Angela hey, Paxton. Hey, good to see you, Kathy and Dr. Good. How's everybody? Good. We're doing well. We're glad to have you with us. We've been, this has been kind of all things education today. So we thought how appropriate that you're on today. But what we want to ask you about first, before you maybe give us some updates on your thoughts on education and where we're headed in Texas, um, is there going to be, I guess, would this be our fourth special session? Have you recommended that to the governor? Um, and, And if so, what would this special session be about? Yeah, I, so I am part of um, the the group of legislators that have um, joined together to ask the governor to call us back into a fourth special session. And you're right, that it would be number four. Um, we did two on election integrity that took us a while to get done, and we did a lot of other things, including some things on education. But um, the third one was uh, devoted to redistricting. So this would be a fourth session. And the, the topic that we've asked uh, that the governor would call us back to address is the vaccine mandate, um, to prohibit those, to come up with uh, some legislation that protects um, individuals' um, right to make their own health care decisions. So I am one of the, the um, senators, legislators that has uh, joined that, and, um, you know, I think there are uh, there are so many people concerned about this. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'll, I'll just give you one statistic. And I just want everybody to kind of think about this for a minute. Um, the mortality rate, you would expect that the mortality rate during a pandemic would increase, right? Right. I mean, it's, if we're having a pandemic, and things and are shutting down, this, and yeah. 
and this right and this virus is is killing people then then what the, the whole idea here is that you would expect then that the mortality rate that we would have more deaths per capita right because of this virus and it's a very interesting statistic that I don't hear very often but it's been confirmed over and over the mortality rate has remained steady okay so we haven't so, had this huge spike in and you're talking about mortality rate overall people passing away from overall. cancer car accident whatever the case may be kind of a thing Okay, very quickly, also, I have two things. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt this uh, program for this special message. But I first want to show everybody I, I, I have my special T-shirt on today. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I was wondering, I was like, what shirt does she have on there? Texas? Yeah, I, I, usually, I usually have a little bit more professional dress yeah. on than today. But, but I also have a special guest um so this is baby Pax. Oh, hey, baby Pax. Look at this cute baby. Oh, your grandma loves you so much. Oh, I love it. That He just made his debut into the podcast that world. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and to, um, to segue, I guess, um, you know, I guess that, uh, you know, anyone who has children or grandchildren, um, concerned about what is what is coming next um, right. we know that um and dr good you of course are very dialed into the learning losses that we've experienced with our school age population yes. um over these last two years as a result of um, the interruption in their normal school um and and you know it's it's disturbing because we know that when kids are not on grade level um, with their reading and, and, and with their other subjects, but especially with their reading by third grade, yeah. it is very unlikely that they ever catch up. Um, it's not easy to make sure that kids get caught up under normal circumstances. So when you add on something like this, um, where we are literally interrupting uh, the learning process for our kids, um, it has decades of future implications yes. for our economy, for families, uh, for the workforce, etc. Commissioner Marath was very clear about that. We have lost a decade of growth. God. That I mean that the damage from that yeah. that that's horrible. Yeah. Mm. So the the thing we don't need is outside influences. Um, moving in and creating more interruption to the learning cycle. Um, and, you know, I, I will say this, and Dr. Good um, has been such a pioneer in so many ways, but, of course, her work with charter schools, um, I think, you know, you look at the things we dealt with in these, in these um, special sessions and even in the regular session, but, but a lot of the topics that we were dealing with are around school-age kids, parents, um, concerns that parents have about either learning or the culture or the environment that their children are learning in. And vaccines are a medical issue, but it also, it does impact um, a parent's, uh, there is also a facet of that that is really about what parents want for their kids. And there are parents that want their kids to get these vaccines 
There are kids, uh, there are parents that don't. There are parents that want their kids to wear masks and other kids, um, and there are parents who don't. There are parents that don't aren't bothered by critical race theory being taught in our schools, and there are parents who do. There are parents who are not bothered by um, maybe boys playing girls' sports, and there are parents who are. There are parents who disagree with their school boards and want to speak up and are now concerned about um, being uh, identified and investigated as domestic terrorists. There are other ways to deal with um, these things than passing laws about what we can and can't do in our schools. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but there is another solution, and that is to let parents have choices about where their kids go to school. And I think that um, we are at a time where parents are more aware and, and sort of accustomed to having choices with their schools. I think our schools, especially early in the pandemic, our traditional public schools, all of our schools um, really stepped into a role of great responsiveness with parents, trying to find a way to keep things going. Mm-hmm. But we're now at a place where there's almost a line in the sand. And I think, you know, we can continue to deal with these things by passing laws about what we can and can't do um, in our public schools, traditional public schools, et cetera. But I think another thing that that needs, it, 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 the time is right for parents to have choices um, about where their kids go to school that is that are not uh, tied to their zip code. And so we're hoping to get a little bit more freedom, especially for charter schools, to be able to serve kids in an online way outside of our geographical boundaries. Because we do tend to be more successful with kids of color and kids from um, low economic areas. We, mm-hmm. the, the, all the data is there, right. but it's, it's, not, um, it's not valued, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Dr. Good, I'm, I mean, you've seen this, I've seen this, uh, Kathy, you've seen this as well. You know, we have school choice in, in Texas, uh, if you can afford it. Well, that's true. Yes. Yeah. We have school. So, so what I, what I'm saying is, and I, I think, you know, this is what you're saying as well. I mean, why is it that your zip code and your income level should be the determining factors of of the quality of education that your child should get. And that's such a good point. You know, we um, uh, we chose to have my daughter and my son in private school from pre-K through eighth grade um, in a, at a church setting. And then they then we were very fortunate in Plano that and both kids ended up through, you know, a lottery system, got accepted into Plano um, ISD Academy High School, which is a STEAM project-based learning school, very different environment. They've both benefited greatly from that that campus and the, the great job that Lynn Ojeda has done out there. Um, but we we lived a different lifestyle. You know, we drove older cars. We didn't go on a fancy cruise. We didn't get to go to Disney every year. It was a family choice and a financial sacrifice. But but that's that's how important that I felt that was. And and then not everybody has that option, um, even if you do tighten, you know, you know, tighten your belt kind of a thing. So, ag- again, it, you, then there's then the great thing is 
in, in, thank goodness, in Texas, we do still have school choice, and you've got charter schools, and you've got, um, you know, you've got co-op homeschool situations, and there's a lot of different options out there. And we were talking about this a little bit before you came on the um, show, and if you could maybe wrap wrap us up for the day with this, um, something that is a, of great concern, and then how are we going to now we've we need to start now we needed to have started earlier looking outside of the box you've got a teacher shortage a lack of more you know folks going into education like the three of us did from the beginning you know and you've got um a lack uh, you've got teachers who you know are are they're done after christmas break they're not coming back a teacher shortage, I said, can be, Dr. Good and I were talking about this, to me, that's going to, going to be as devastating as a nursing shortage. I mean, you're talking about a needed population so desperately in our society, and all of a sudden we have barely have anybody who wants to teach anymore. Well, I, I, I think that that is a huge issue, and of course, uh, you mentioned, you know, a nursing shortage. Um, this is a problem that's not isolated to education or nursing. This is an issue we have across the board in Texas is an employee shortage. Yes. Um, I yes. have some, I, I know some folks that um, have a staffing company. And one of the things that they said that the demand for them to, you know, help provide qualified uh, workers is at an all time high. And they are interviewing and processing people, um, you know, to, to determine good fits for these companies. But the problem is uh, that they will, these folks get to the end and then they don't take the job. Mm. Uh, they're, they're apparently interviewing to check a box so that they can continue to get unemployment benefits. And so uh, we've got okay. that, we've got that piece. Um, that's not necessarily what's feeling, happening in education, but it's, a, it's an across the board issue. Um, I know teachers um, in private schools as well that are concerned about vaccine mandates, and that kind of ties this all maybe back together. This is one more reason. We don't need more reasons to keep people out of the workplace um, uh, with vaccine mandates. Uh, we need to let people make their own decisions about what they want to do with their health care, and that would be um, the interest. I I will just say this. I think if we don't have the teachers we need, and you know, I was a teacher, you, you, were, you both are mm -hmm. uh, educators. Two of my four children are educators, and um, one of them is um, with a baby now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, she's, on, uh, she's kind of taking a sabbatical to, to raise her, her children while they're young at home. And, um, but, but it is a major issue. And if we, we, what we don't need to do is create more reasons for people not to want to come back. Yeah. including vaccine mandates. Yeah. Well, will you keep us updated on a potential special fourth session? We'd really appreciate that, Senator. And we thank you so much for coming on today. Great information. And we got to see baby packs. <laughs> this is a great day. That's I right. love it. <laughs> this was a bonus uh, day. <laughs> well, thank you so much, <laughs> Senator Paxton. We, we appreciate your hard work. Keep up the great work and we will see you soon. All right. Thank you. Thank, Bye -bye. thank you. All right. Um, some good information. And I think there are I think there is a huge push amongst a lot of senators and state representatives to have that fourth session. I know I think the majority of the folks in this this area have have requested to the governor of another special session. I've heard through the grapevine. <laughs> 
which for, for what that's worth, that we will well, be having that. More than most. <laughs> that, you know, that it looks like it is very, you know, a highly possible, high possibility that we'll have another session because even when the governor came out and did the mandate and said, hey, you know, businesses, slow the roll. You cannot make your employees do something medically that they don't want to do. There are still companies, I, a, a family member, even after the governor had that mandate, it, they came to me and they said, look at this email I just got from my job. And I was like, wait a second, the governor signed an executive order on that. So I think there's a lot of folks who just want to lock it down and make sure. And again, it doesn't mean, and some of the people who are pushing for the special session, they, them and their, their entire family are vaccinated and they're getting booster vaccinations. And then there are some who have not been vaccinated and won't be vaccinated. Again, it just goes back to, are you, then are you going to force people to get this, the shingle shot, which note to note to self. So when you turn 55 on your birthday, instead of goals like, hey, let's go out and party this weekend, it's, oh, make an appointment for my shingles vaccination and my pneumonia vaccination. Wow, woohoo! what a fun life I'm leading. <laughs> well, you're, you're doing now for health later. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think one of the things that we didn't really bring up but is at the root of all this is the federal government coming in and and so it's yeah the, the companies are torn just like the schools are torn yeah between what the feds want what, what our state, state want, wants what our local seat you know and local health departments want exactly We're just it's it just it, that's led to this very confusing start of the year and i think going back to what we talked about earlier i think this is part of what's kind of led to this angry mentality yeah. that we've got going on because you don't know is the federal government going to trump states rights oh and i didn't use the word trump as a, as a reference to president trump or <laughs> did i um i'm being silly today um but you know, it's one of those things that you don't know you know you're you're very worried you've got people you know i know again another family member who has been at the same job loves the job works from home that works for him um and because the job is headquartered out of another country, they're being forced to get vaccines. Again, Governor Abbott's executive order stopped that for now. Um, but he's sitting here thinking, I would have to go back out, and this is a person who's getting closer to 60, thinking I'm in a job that I thought I was going to be in for, you know, That's another right. at least 10 years or something. And this is a job I was going to retire from. And now they're saying basically, and, and again, I, I was like, please help me with you work from home. Um, help me with that, the component. And so do 95% of their employees. They're all contracts. And they, and, but this is before the pandemic. They worked from home. So I think you, you, you're right. You've got the federal government versus the state government versus local entities. Mm -hmm. you, you really have set up a recipe for people to be angry and yeah. upset. Yeah. And so, again, if you're angry and upset, get out there and run for local school board, run for local office, run for state rep, run for Congress. Um, let your voice be heard. And I think this is a better time to let your voice be heard now more than ever. But not in anger. No, but but let it be in a friendly, upbeat way yeah. until you're on the debate <laughs> stage, and then that's okay. Oh well, thank you so much for coming My in pleasure. today. Really appreciate it. Of course, you can catch um, the Ask Doctor Be Good show every Sunday from eight 
to 8.30. A great show full of lots of information. If you've got a question you want her to answer on her show this upcoming Sunday, let her know and she can take care of that for you. And then thank you for all of the lovely, I'm, I'm just um, reading all these very kind and gracious birthday messages and just thank you so, so much. I love y'all, love the crew. God bless y'all and we will see y'all on Friday.